0: back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I
1: am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. How you doing tonight, buddy? Buddy, I'm tired. How are you? (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm not probably quite as tired as you are. You look like you uh, had had a long day. Long day of
0: work. Long day of running a few errands after work. 540 wake-up calls are no fun. Um full week of work too so the mentality on thursday wasn't there gotta work tomorrow you know say what you want to say
1: yeah
0: i believe this when you have a friday off thursdays can become the most energized day in the world right that's right man i'm looking to friday and it's great it's there tomorrow but when you have it off it's just a sense of like I don't have to do anything responsible tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I have to wake my kids up. I have to get one to
1: daycare. I've got to get the other to virtual school, but other than that, I don't have anything really responsible. So I put my dad hat on for a little bit, and then I just kind of coast through the day. Exactly. <laughs> you know, up a little stuff around
0: the house, maybe play a video game. Yeah, it's hard. Stuff like that, man. Now, you hit me up. You got brutalized today with Jeff Curry, huh?
1: Yeah, man. I had uh, – you know, my, my job sometimes is a, uh, a slow flow for an extended period and then a lot of hyperactivity for several hours to a couple days. So, it was one of those, you know, four to six hours of hyperactivity today. So, <laughs> I, I was I was banging out queries left and right, but, but I got it done, and uh, you know the, the the big wigs are happy, so that's all that matters.
0: That's all. That's all that matters, man. Hey, how about this though? Let's just look. Let's just look holistically at things. Next week's essentially a two to two and a half day work week, with lots of football, lots of good food. Um, obviously not as big of family gatherings. Um. As normal and things like that, but still going to be a great weekend, man.
1: Everyone's going to eat well and watch a lot of football. So there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. <laughs> and it's going to be a short work week. And I'd say, what, 30 to 40% of people probably have Friday off too. that's would say 30, 40%. Yeah. If you're not in the retail world, you know, um, some corporations
0: will, you know, have certain jobs going on, but majority of people will have off so yeah hey brian let's just get to it man you know Hokie's coming after rough loss to miami by a point have to travel up to the land of no change that would be Heinz Field because Heinz Field this year will look like Heinz Field two years ago no energy stadium <laughs> no one there so luckily the players have always prepped for that, which is a good thing. <laughs> uh, but let's get to know the enemy. Hokies go up again, north to pit, the four and four pit Panthers. Um, Brian, usually we've started on offense a lot, but we're yep. going to script because pit is a different animal. We're going to start with the defense. This is easily the best statistical defense the Hokies have played all year. And this is a pit team that's missing defensive tackle. Jalen Twyman, who opted out very early in the process that he'd want to play this year. He's obviously going to be a first or second round pick. And then you got Safety Paris Ford, who just a couple weeks ago opted out. Um, Ford, again, one of those guys earlier this year, me and you questioned, why did he come back? Like he could have gotten drafted and without a doubt the first three or four rounds came back, had played very well. Um, Definitely improved his draft stock even higher. But, you know, Brian, let's just look at the numbers real quick before you get into what we're looking at from them. They are the eighth total defense in the country. They only give up 296 yards a game, only 23 points per game. Again, a very good number. And rushing defense-wise, Brian, they are number two in the country. So it's a strength on strength again. They are only giving up 78 yards. Yards per game. So Brian, what are we seeing from this type of defense? Uh,
1: so the big thing, um, it's kind of the almost a dinosaur when we really talk about it, man. They run a true four-three defense, <laughs> and you know most of the time when we talk about four-man front defenses in college football these days, it's either some version of the four-two-five or kind of a multiple multiple front situation but but these guys are a true four three that means they unless it's like long down situations they usually have three linebackers on the field but when we talk about their strength that the strength is definitely their front seven um and especially their d line even without the twyman in there they, they still got some some studs up front and their safety play is very good i know they're missing forward now uh but their safety play is very good as well they're really only Weak area of this team is probably their cornerbacks. And that's not necessarily a weakness. It's just not a strength. Yeah, Brian, you
0: mentioned those defensive, that defensive line. And I tell you what, they're leading the country with 38 sack total on the year. They're also leading the country in tackles for loss. They get almost 12 per game, which is pretty wild. And those two defensive linemen, the first thing I noticed was the 7'5"7 product, Patrick Jones. Yep, we did offer him. We he was offered for two four seven. So anybody want to get up there and scream? We don't offer the kids. He was offered. 6'5", 260 pounds. So far this year, 34 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, eight sacks. Hey, bro, don't you wish we had our scheme we're trying to run this year when we were recruiting this kid? A lot easier to sell, huh?
1: A lot easier to sell. Yeah.
0: Uh other guy, defensive end, again, six five two seventy, Rashad Weaver, twenty-seven tackles, eleven and a half for loss, five and a half sacks. So you mentioned that their front seven's good even without Twyman. Man, they would be borderline. They're they're elite anyway. They might be the best defensive country if Twyman had come back. So what are you seeing not only from
1: Jones and Weaver but the other pieces of this line? Man the big thing is that both of those defensive ends Weaver and Jones they get after the passer. Yeah. <laughs> um you know they're they're pretty balanced as well. They're good against the run, but when they get into those third third and long situations where they can pin their ear back, they are damn scary. Um and, and being defensive ends You see a lot of downs where they're playing uh, meet at the quarterback, um, where they're both kind of just bearing down on the quarterback after they beat the tackle. So our tackles are going to need to have a pretty damn good game to at least slow these guys down, because there's no way that they're going to consistently stop them the whole game. But if we can just slow them down where they're not able to take over, I think we'll be okay there. Um, You know, Weaver, he has great power with his pass rush, and then Jones is kind of more of the – the speed edge guy that has a couple really good uh, pass rush moves that can throw guys off balance. Um, so again, across the board, they're good, but those are the two guys to keep an eye on because they, they make plays, um, you know, in the run and as well in the, in the passing game, getting sacks. Absolutely.
0: Well, like you said, there really, there is no weakness on this team, you, even the corners who, you know, there aren't, they aren't great, but they aren't bad, you know, but we look at the other pieces of this defense. I see really, you know, sir, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Servicia Dennis, the sophomore six-one-two thirty linebacker out of Syracuse with 51 tackles four sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. Jesus, says, does anybody that we're looking at get below double-digit tackles for loss? That scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and you talk about the safety play. Yeah, they don't have Parrish forward. And four before he opted out, 45 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, three interceptions. That's why I said he solidified. He played it. He said, I think I'm good. I think I've proven that I am going to be yeah, one. Of
1: once the they were statistically out of any chance of playing for a uh, ACC championship, he's like, deuces. But he also <laughs> played well. Yeah, he was doing well. So it was like – my- I mean, he, he wasn't just out there, you know, biding his time. He was out there balling his ass off until it did make sense for him to risk another injury. Exactly. To play out the season. And we talked about Ford in our – in our, you know,
0: leading up to the season, reviewing all the teams. He was one of those elite players. Well, the other safety is just as elite. You look at DeMar Hamlin, the redshirt senior, 6'1", 195. He was also a top two, four, seven player back in 2016, 46 tackles, three-and-a-half tackles for loss for him. And then just kind of looking at – we look specifically at the upfront numbers, but just more overall information – they're really good at stopping on third down, which has been a real issue for the Hokies on offense. They're only allowing 35.5% conversion rates. They've also forced 14 turnovers, which is top 15 in the country. I mean, Brian, you know, what are you seeing now that we, we've we kind of moved back to
1: the, the second and the third levels? What are you seeing from these guys? So uh, Denise is a playmaker at linebacker. He runs well sideline to sideline in pursuit. Uh, He gets sent on blitzes a lot on third down and long situations, really putting pressure on the quarterback. And he's just a guy that in the run game, when things kind of get bumped to the outside, he's there making the play, playing underneath the tackles, playing outside the tackles, and uh, and making some of those tackles for loss. So he's really a guy that kind of does it all. And he really... Is an asset to that front and lets that those, those guys on the defensive line, uh, you know, pin their ears back more because he cleans up you know any of the mess that is that is kind of left from those guys getting up field. Um, and then let's take a look. You know, you mentioned Demar Hamlin, man. I mean, Ford got a lot of the publicity, uh, a lot of the lot of the big talk, but I mean, Hamlin is also a guy that's been. Playing at a very high level for several years now, um, he's really great in run support from the safety position. So he gets good, good fits there, and uh, and, and cleans up the messes there when things get uh, sent out to the spill area. And uh, he occasionally gets exploited in coverage, but when he's there to make the play, he breaks up a lot of passes. Occasionally, will get an interception. So, you know, he, he's a guy that we got to definitely account for both in the run game and when we're throwing the football. So, you know, there's really no weakness to this defense. There's only areas that aren't great.
0: <laughs> um Yeah, and you talk about being there. The two interceptions you mentioned, and he's also got five pass breakups for safety. That's a pretty good number. So, you know, Brian, we're looking at every level. Best defense we've placed. We're coming off probably – I don't know. Three of the four last weeks on offense, we just, it hasn't clicked. Louisville yep. felt it did click. Now you're going against this really good offense that, or excuse me, this defense that's going to stack the box, is going to take our strength away. I mean, this is not going to be an easy task. And as a person, I'm kind of going on an emotional swing. You know, give me some things we've got to do so I can take the emotion out and look more at it, um, you know, Analytically,
1: Yeah, I mean, the big thing is going to be the intermediate passing game. Um, it's been something that we've talked about the last few weeks. It's going to need to play a big role again. But what's also going to need to play a big role is throwing the ball some outside the numbers. Um, we need to take advantage of the fact that if there is an area that isn't exceptional in this defense, it's cornerback. And if we're going to make some plays, that's where we're going to need to take advantage of them. So um, need to make good connections with receivers outside the numbers, um, try to stretch the field on them some, but also, you know, give guys the ball in space and let them get up the sidelines as well, make them have to tackle. And as far as the running game, man, um, I'd like to see us try to run some up the middle, but also get, to the edge with them playing, you know, traditional four, three. Yes. They've got guys that can at the linebacker position that shed blocks better than like a nickel or a whip or, or or whatever that type of position is for on a given defense, but they're not quite as quick. If we can get our guys to the edge and kind of get up that outside alley, we might have some chances to exploit them in the running game as well. So
0: Brian, when you say that, are you thinking, these are, these are the three thoughts I have. When I, when you say what you just said there and we've seen it a couple times, jet sweeps. Yep. Getting to the edge. The little toss play that we run where essentially the running back and Hendon take three or four steps and then he pitches the ball where essentially they've cleared the outside tackle or I, out on right. his behind. And I'd like that play to be an option play. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> time, speed option, speed options, forcing those linebackers to get in and forcing the safeties to come up.
1: Yeah. If, if we're running that pitch play, I want Hinton to have the option to hold that ball and get up field as well. So I don't want it to be an automatic pitch. Um, and yeah, speed option would be great. Quarterback lead outside would be something we would run on occasion to mix on, things up Huh? on occasion. Not yeah, I, I, that's why I qualified it. I qualified it. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to run our quarterback every play, Um, especially if, you know, Herbert's looking to take more like 60% of the running back snaps this week versus, you know, what, 25% last week. If he can get up to 60% um, with a guy that you really trust, especially, um, you know, with Holston coming along some in last game as well, you got to feel good about your situation at running back.
0: Absolutely, Brian. Um, now, as good as their defense is, elite status, you know, defense this year, their offense is, it's, it's just terrible. I mean, there's no other ways to say about it. There's a lot of things we can look at. The first couple things I'm going to look at, Brian, they're only gaining 357 yards per game. That's just not good at all. Um. And where it's really bad is they're averaging 104 on the ground and 253 in the air, which, with how we've played against the run, this is good. This is similar to BC, where BC got like 130 yards, but it's like, that's okay. We were giving up a ton of yards. Yeah. Now, those two positions one is led by Kenny Pickett. So far this season in six games, five, 1,599 yards, eight in eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Again, six, not eight games. He did miss two due to injury. 62% completion. We've seen Kenny Pickett play in person. Exactly one year to the day this game will be played, which is pretty funny. Yeah. And then we've got the 5'8", 175 running back out of Fort Lauderdale, Vincent Davis, only 313 yards rushing about three a carry, four touchdowns. Also pretty good out of the backfield with 104 receiving yards on 17 receptions. So, Brian, what are you seeing out of Pickett and Davis
1: primarily? So let, let's let's start with Pickett, obviously. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Kenny Pickett on this program between, <laughs> you know, some of the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the season, some of the, our picks throughout the year. Um, you know, some of the uh the stuff we've looked at other tape as we've, you know, been scouting other opponents. We've talked about Kenny Pickett. He's a steady quarterback. He's not elite. He's steady. He's a good quarterback, but nothing more. Um and because of how much they struggle to run the ball, that's a problem for them. Um they live and die by the day that Kenny Pickett has. True, and you know he had a for for his career he was kind of he was good at the gate, but he's only tooken, taken taken kind of baby steps each year since then he's not taking those those giant leaps in terms of his uh his growth at the position um but he will make plays um with his arm and with his leg, but he also will make throws that kill drives um and just kind of a guy that hasn't been good enough with the other offensive deficiencies they have to really take them from a adequate offense to an offense that can really make them, um, you know, compete for an ACC championship game. So, I mean, that that's what you get with Kenny Pickett. Um, Vincent Davis, I, I like what he does. He's kind of like a, uh, you know, kind of that, old, that traditional scat back. He's like a one cut, really short, choppy steps. Um, think like Darren Sproles type running back. Um, not not av- obviously that elite level of a player, but he's got that kind of build and that kind of game. Um, smaller and shifty, one cut. Um, good change of direction and gets through holes pretty good when they're there. Um, but he does need the holes to be there to make a play. When, when it's kind of like a lot of garbage in the middle, um, he'll get – Kind of gummed up, get thrown for some, uh, you know, tackles for loss there, and uh, he's good out of the backfield. He can kind of shifty in space, so that that's that's where his uh, he's a, the biggest asset for them is when he can get the ball in space or get the ball in the running game when there's a big hole there. But they don't do a very good job of making a lot of big holes. Um, this is not an offensive line that does a lot. <laughs> it does, they're they're probably. A, average to above average in pass pro but definitely below average in their run game. Um they they fit up well but they just don't they don't move guys off the ball and this style of offense that they run you kind of need to have the holes there to to make the running game hum.
0: You're right, man. And, and you talk about the offensive line and I'm glad you mentioned them because they're they're about middle of the pack giving up sacks, about two a game, so they've given up 16 sacks so far this year, but they are dreadful. You talk about the tackles for loss. You talk about not making a running game. They are 126th in the country, Brian, in tackles for loss allowed. Ooh. And that's not all on the line. But when you see that number, you know that that is either an average to below average offensive line at run blocking they're giving up about eight a game and they're losing 30 yards a game on this. Yeah. That's you you talk about having what average game is what anywhere between what seven and 10 drives depending on flow. Yeah. Basically you're saying to yourself, we're starting first and 13, which this offense that's really tough to come over. Now, a couple other things, Brian, before I hit two, really, to me, these guys are just their keys on offense. Not converting great at third down, 35.8, but believe it or not, they have the 34th most first downs. So when I see that, I think, well, when they're getting solid yards on first and second, usually they're, they're getting the first down. You get on the third, they're in a whole heap of trouble. They've turned the ball over nine times. And I think, without question, and we've said it a couple times, if they had a decent offense, they'd be six and two or seven and one. Yeah. If we had their defense, I don't think we had lost a game this year. I think vice versa. If they had our offense, I don't think they would have lost a game so far this year. Maybe Notre Dame. But. Those two key wide receivers, Brian, the first one is the true freshman wide receiver out of Frederick, Maryland, the 6'1", 170, top 247 player, Jordan Addison, in his true freshman season already lighting up the stat sheet, 600 11 receiving yards on 52 receptions, averaging about 12 per reception, Three touchdowns, a long of 75. Also, they get him involved a little bit in the run game. He has seven rushes for 55 yards. The other more experienced guy is Shaki jacques Luis. Very interesting name. The junior out of Florida, 6'185". 273 yards on 23 receptions. No touchdowns. Does have a long of 68. And, again, he's averaging about 12. What are you seeing from these two guys, Brian, of
1: why essentially to make this team go, they've got to go? So let's start with Jordan Addison, and he's the reason that I think Kenny Pickett has taken a small step forward this year because he is a very versatile receiver. Um, he's kind of your your guy that can work underneath the defenses, um, catches a lot of the quick hitting routes, some of those outs, some of those screens he can do a little bit with them. He's taken, you know, one, one catch for I think a 75 yard touchdown, but he's also the guy that's going to going to move the sticks for you with that stuff underneath and um, get some of those dirty yards. Um, and he runs really good routes for a young receiver. So it, it's, um, it's something we need to you know take into account there that he's going to be able to get himself open, even against good coverage. And he's also the guy that they use sometimes in those jet sweeps or those, uh, times when they're going to give the ball out of the backfield to a receiver. So um, he really kind of does it all for them. He is the the player that's made this offense go from a very plotting and methodical offense last year to at least one that when things are connecting, it, it, it looks pretty good. Um, Shocky Jacques-Louis, he's the guy that's going to be the stick mover. He's going to get those um, outside-the-numbers catches um plays bigger than his frame. I know you said six foot, what, 180, 185? Plays bigger than that. Um, they'll throw him on the on a fade and post, but you know, a lot of hitches, a lot of, you know, 10, 12 yard outs. Um, he's a guy that's gonna kind of move the sticks for them and, and get them those hard first downs when they in the when they're in those third and long situations, whereas Addison's the guy that gets them in those. Um, you know, shorter down in distance um, areas on first and second when they can kind of, you know, go against the average and, and throw on first down. So both of them are going to be key to get their offense moving, and hopefully we can do something to to slow those guys down.
0: All right, again, Brian, I, I'll I'll kind of reiterate it again. If they again had a decent offense, sky's the limit for them, but they don't.
1: So if they could just run the ball where you could key on those two guys, I think you would say a little bit more about them, but they just consistently cannot run the ball um, where you really can focus on kind of controlling what what Addison and uh, and Jacques-Louis do. And also, you know, occasionally Kenny Pickett makes a bad throw. These receivers, as good as they are, have had a lot of drops this year. So, you know, a lot of times they end up, moving the ball a little bit and then kind of shooting themselves in the foot. So hopefully we can uh, make sure we don't break and give up the big one. So uh, we can force them to kind of beat themselves a little bit.
0: So how do we beat them? I mean, obviously our defense is not world beaters right now. And it's one of those weeks where it's like, we're not going against an offense with a ton of weapons and showing a lot. What can we do to beat them? I think we're going to,
1: need to get after Kenny Pickett. We need to make him uncomfortable. We need to make him throw before he's ready. We need to sack him and hit him. Um, whether that's bringing four and, and getting guys like Barno and justice Reed, um, uh, meeting in the backfield, whether that's bringing one or two extra guys in a zone blitz or whether it's going kind of man free and, you know, bringing guys from, from areas that they're not expecting. um, we need to keep the uh, the receivers in front of us. Um, when they catch it, we need to make sure we're where we need to be. And, as always, tackle, 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 especially <laughs> Jordan Addison.
0: So just the tackle, tackle, tackle is becoming the weekly number three.
1: <laughs> and- I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but, I mean, as much as we've struggled with it off and on this season, I'm going to keep emphasizing it until I see several games in a row where it's not an issue.
0: It's true, man. One other point before we get over to the pivotal players, points, personnel, because, y'all, it's it, the, the, the pivotal players is becoming more than that. Similar to Miami, Brian, very penalized team, very undisciplined team, which with Pat Narduzzi, are you shocked? Not at all. Not Seven shot. Yards. So similar, basically, they're giving you an entire football field. We did see that against Miami several times. That helped us out significantly. So hopefully this time it can help us out significantly and get us a W in the win column. All right, Brian, d- do you want to announce who's number one? Hendon Hooker. No doubt. <laughs> we didn't even have to change it. It's no. serious, y'all in all seriousness, Saturday night after we finished recording, we just kind of start, you know, we're watching late game seven on beers, talking this and that. And we just said it right then. I'm like, Brian hennen has got to play out of his butt the rest of the year for us to win any games. And he's like, yeah. So Hennen's probably going to stay number one, unless something significantly changes.
1: Unless Herbert gets 100% healthy and we can start 100% leaning on our running game like we did the first four to five weeks of the season, Hendon Hooker is going to be the guy. Got to be.
0: Now, number two is a group group, not a specific player. We've done some specifics over the last few weeks. But as Brian has stated numerous times, The average group on this defense is their cornerback. So our wide receivers this week have to step up, all of them. It seems like Mitchell's going to be back, and I'm putting him in the wide receiver group because he is that versatile. But they have to be because we've already said it. They're going to put eight in the box. They're going to commit to stop the
1: run. And they're going to probably occasionally dare us to take shots deep. Gotta, we, need, we, we need to make those plays when they're available.
0: Need to make those plays when they're available. But we also, as you mentioned earlier, as part of your keys, we've got to run some intermediate stuff. We've got to let it get quick to not let those guys continuously tee off on Hendon. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we, we draw the right game plan up. Now the third piece, y'all, is – More this
1: abstract. One.
0: Abstract. This is my brainchild. And I had a, when I put it on there, I had to talk Brian my reason behind it. But I think because of how good this defense is, how good they are on third down, it's going to be our second down play calls. Yeah. And I say that because it's one of those things where we, 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 we know who our offensive coordinator is. We go out there and on first down, we attempt to run an inside zone and we get a yard and a half. It is second and nine. We know how good me and you just looking at the data, you looking at the tape, you telling me what you're seeing on the tape. We know how good their pass rush is. If we aren't at second and nine in things like that, getting three to four positive yards to set up second and manageable or third and manageables, they're going to just be able to go back and tee off and that's going to be bad. So, If you're seeing on this game, those second down plays, Brian, and they are bad and they're getting no gain or we're getting one yard. Shoot me now.
1: Yep. I'm with you, man. I'm with you 100% on this because as you said, and as we've seen a lot this year, you know, sometimes first down is the down you want to get creative. And unless you have success on that second down is where you go with the the kind of bread and butter plays, and then you you tend to gauge what those plays will be based on what you ran on first down and, and how much success that had. We need to be not not predictable with those play calls, but we need to definitely make sure that we're we're smart with how we're setting up those plays and smart with understanding down and distance, and that we don't want to get into third and long situations against this defensive line. I mean, you don't want to get in third and and long situations against any line, but a line like this that also will occasionally bring pressure on third down with those linebackers is pretty scary.
0: It's the truth, man. So, again, watch our second down plays at 4 o'clock. If you see us being in third and seven and plus, whatever you're drinking, make sure you have a lot of it because it's going to be a rough day to watch the offense. All right, Brian, let's flip it. Group on defense, as far as pivotal players, pivotal personnel, pivotal points that we have not mentioned that much this year, but with what they do
1: on offense, it's the corners. Corners, absolutely. Um, corners are going to have to cover well. Corners are going to have to tackle well, like I said, especially Addison, um, who will work underneath the, um, kind of some of where where our zones are. So they're going to have to come up and make those tackles, um, you know, in space. So it's going to be important that they cover well and tackle well.
0: Yep. And, you know, we don't know Jermaine Waller's status. At this point, if he's still banged up, I'm almost thinking he's out for the year, continue to let Dorian Strong, um, Brian Murray, or Mike Chapman continue to develop. Um, And – you know, I think the as the way the first one rolls on, it's uh, – the first one kind of goes into the second one, right? Yeah. We said it Saturday night. And the number two thing that's got to happen is if you tell me Justin Hamilton calls that game this week, they're not going to get to 17. That's the way I feel. He yeah. May- up his coverages. He mixed up the blitzes. He was going some man. He was going some man free, going man zero. Then there were concepts where he was throwing everybody. He had Miami off balance. Enough of that game. Slowed them down.
1: It's the play calls. Can he do it again, Brian? Yeah, I think he can. I think I think what he finally said was I'm going to stop with the calls. You know, sometimes coaches get into this, especially play callers, the we do what we do mentality. And I think he finally broke out of the we do what we do mentality and said, I'm going to call a game that's going to keep the other team off balance, regardless of what we do well, or regardless of what our normal philosophy is. Um, Mixing back in some of the schemes that Bud used that really – were, were successful with the type of players we already have on the roster was a smart move. Um, I think maybe we should have pivoted to this some um, earlier in the season to kind of get some of those guys comfortable because a lot of times we didn't do enough when they looked uncomfortable to get them back into the game. And I feel like mixing things up definitely kept them interested and, and let them know that, hey, we're going to let you do what's comfortable for you, but occasionally you're going to have to get a little uncomfortable and do what you've been coached. And I think the mix of that was good for them. It really was. And again, if
0: he calls it like he did last week, I think we hold this team down, hopefully enough for a win. All right. Third, very controversial here. We you know, we don't, we don't, we're we're straight laced most of the time. We don't go crazy controversy. Although, Last few Saturday nights and the amount of alcohol and the discussions that have been happening, you can say they're controversial, but after the way he played last week after the first drive, it's Dax. Cause if Dax plays that way
1: against this team,
0: he's going to have another big day.
1: Yeah. Dax was one of the better players on the defense last week, which I haven't said at all this season. We probably hadn't said since 2018. Yeah. Um, he had a couple games last year where he played well, not great but well. Um this was the first game where other than the first drive he looked like he wasn't overthinking and trying to do too much. Um he let he let the game come to him. He was in the right position when he was had coverage responsibilities in the flat. He did a good job of not letting uh the quarterback get outside and bust big runs he used lo- the sideline as leverage he turned guys back inside when he needed to. It, it was a soundly played game by Dax and if he can do that again, that's going to be big for us.
0: It's absolutely the truth because with Dax being able to spell Shard, being able to either start at backer or spell Tisdale keeps that rotation and keeps those guys fresh which you know when we see that, we know as we get deeper into the game, we don't lose We don't yep. lose leverage. Or we not.
1: thought that was going to be one of the strengths at the start of the season was having three guys that you could count on. And just between not really getting the new system and a couple guys coming in out of shape and Tisdale being banged up the you know, first part of the season and COVID, I mean, it was – a. You know, kind of kind of a tough run there for the linebackers, and hopefully with some of the things Jay hams done to mix up the calls, that, that these guys will start showing out again like they did uh, last year in, in some spots.
0: Absolutely. All right, Brian, real quick, Jalen Holston gets the 25. Earned it. Earned it. It will only matter if they continue to use him correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and actually get the man some touches him
1: yeah, more touches man he got he, when he finally got touches last week he was effective
0: you uh, know what it did with the with the 70 uh, 80 to 85 percent juice it kept juice fresh you imagine juice at 95 100 percent where Jalen's going in there and getting some of the little you know some of the harder inside zone runs
1: yeah uh, And player. while we're at it now that we you know, maybe start leaning on holston a little bit as the spell guy. Find something for Blackshear to do outside of the box.
0: Wait a second, Brian. Didn't you say earlier that if we need to exploit the edges? There's a certain guy that can exploit the edges in our wide receiving core. His name's Blackshear. Please do it. Please. Cool. So Brian's not throwing things and <laughs> having to get belligerent on Saturday. Um, Brian, I looked at the the we're getting in the truck and we're heading up to Pittsburgh. Looks like we're going maroon white maroon.
1: That's what it looks like, man. uh, I'm okay with that, you know, I don't hate it. I don't love it, I don't hate it it's It's kind of the you know it, not necessarily what I default to, but at the same time it's kind of kind of classic as well, so keep it classic, all
0: right, buddy. you know we had to get here right? We did we had to get to the predictions um you know what I'll go ahead and start this out. Right now, just my feeling as a fan, what I've seen in the last month is just it's worrisome where I am at on this coaching staff, where I'm at um, on, you know, kind of all aspects on the team I'm down on. And really, I'm going to continue to stay down, seeing how good this defense is and with the, this ugly thought in the back of my head that the old defense is going to show up for a couple quarters, I'm going to go Pitt, unfortunately. I think Pitt's going to go 28-27. And, again, what I keep saying, there's going to be drives where we're going to be at the doorstep that if we punch it in, we can win this game, but we're going to kick field goals.
1: Okay. Okay. Similar
0: to last week. We kicked it. We kicked a couple field goals. We attempted a long field
1: goal and essentially one point game, that's what loses you. A couple times, man, but we should win this football game. I don't know if we're going to win this football game. <laughs> it, 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 it's the conundrum, man, because I, I don't trust what team's going to come off the bus. I don't trust what the coaches are going to do in crunch time. So it's hard for me to say 100. Like if you just said we're gonna get the best game from our coaches, I'd say we probably win. But I can't guarantee that. If you said we were gonna get the best game from our offensive line, and not the game we got last week, I'd say we probably win. But I don't know that we're gonna get that. So <sighs> you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say that enough of what we need gets off the bus and we pull out a tight one. 31 28.
0: Brian goes 31 28 VT. I take pit 28 27 because we kick field goals versus scoring touchdowns. All right, let's roll on, get into our pick for this week. Last week, Brian, we salvaged 500 three and two for both of us. Um, I completely whiffed on the Michigan game. You nailed that one. But I got the
1: UVA game right, unfortunately. That's back to back weeks of you nailing UVA, man. Jesus. That's what uh, she said. Yeah.
0: I just gotta give them all the credit, you know. They're they're yeah. All right. Well let's start. Let's start right. with tomorrow night. Syracuse Louisville. Louisville is laying 18 and a half points. JV and Hawkins has opted out for the season. Brian, I led with the first you'd lead with this one. What do you say?
1: Man, Q sucks, but I don't know what team Louisville is going to be, especially with Hawkins up and out. So, um, give me Q's.
0: I'm with you. 18 points. When literally your most consistent offensive player is not going to be there. 18 points, way too much to lay. We know how bad that Louisville defense is. I think Louisville wins. I think it's probably going to be an entertaining game, but 18 and a half is just no way to go.
1: Just play cover three and spy um, kind of game the whole game, and you're probably going to be okay.
0: Absolutely. All right, FSU Clemson. Never thought I'd say this in this game. Clemson is laying 35 and a half points. And with all the turmoil, players opting out, injured players down at FSU, I'm laying the 35 and a half. I think Dabo enjoys putting it on FSU, and I think he will put it on it, especially with Trevor Lawrence back this week.
1: Uh, I'm torn between – The dumpster fire and the fact that Clemson probably won't have to put their foot on the gas for four quarters. So that's what I'm weighing, and I'm going to say that I think Clemson wins by 32, so I'll take FSU in this one. Does
0: FSU break 14? I think they
1: get to 17. (laughs) All right. I think they get to 17, so I'm saying... Clemson is somewhere around 50. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brian's going to go find some betting site that allows you to bet points on the other team. <laughs> All right, Brian, Abilene, Christian, UVA, the tough out-of-conference game for the Wahoos. Wahoos laying now 39.5 point. What say you?
1: Oh, man. You know you've had you've had a run of luck picking UVA, so I'll take them here against good old Abilene Christian.
0: Um, I'm gonna go against them this week, Brian. Oh, best. Um, especially with the big opt out. Abilene Christian's not a good school. They're one and four. They're one and four. They've kept it competitive a couple games. Um, but with UVA having probably their most talented interior defensive lineman up or essentially get in the transfer portal this week. And then we know how thin they are on offensive line. One of their starters went out. I think they win the game by like 30. So somewhere like 40 to 10. Um, but I don't think I can't lay 39 and a half with them. I think they know they have to play conservative, play not to lose, play smart. Um, so I'm going to go with Abilene Christian and 39 and a half.
1: Okay.
0: All right. I don't hate it. Well, you know, when you have that many points, you really can't hate it. Like if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're taking the points, you know, it's one of those things where you're just constantly like, you just need to freaking keep scoring. Like do not stop. Why are you putting your fourth string talent in? You're only up 28. You need to score.
1: To to it. Keep it going. All right. Got a responsibility here. Got a responsibility to win me money. All right, Brian, let's do this one
0: next. Liberty NC state. You seen this one? You yeah. This one. You shot by that. You shot by
1: state lane three and a half. Yeah. That, that's uh that's a weird line. Um, very weird line. You get to pick first on this one. Who are you going with? God, this is the one that's kind of
0: torn me. The other ones on our list, I, I felt good about. This one was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I, I'm going to take Liberty. I will take them in points. I, now, I'm not going to say they're going to win this game outright. But I think they're playing well enough. You know, with a backup quarterback down at NC State, to uh,
1: to uh, at least keep it within a field goal and okay. get that, that book win. i will going take Liberty outright. So give me Liberty.
0: Liberty with a money line there. All right, Brian. Let's go to the big game in the Big Ten and the horseshoe at high noon on Saturday. Indiana and Ohio State. Ohio State lane 20. Indiana, the feel-good story of the year. Um, I've not been able to see if the coach's son is doing okay. Got, you know, kind of banged up pretty scary last
1: Saturday. But uh, what do you think with this one, Brian? I unfortunately think the feel-good kind of runs out in this one. I like Ohio State laying the 20. I don't think it's going to be much over that, but I think it'll be about three scores. And
0: I'm going to flip and go the opposite way. I think Indiana's going to cover it. I think Indiana's going to give a uh, a, a hard, tougher fight than what you're thinking. Um, I think they can. I think they can score enough points to stay right in earshot, probably lose somewhere between 10 and 13. So I like getting 20. I do see that as a high-scoring game. I don't know what the over-under is. Let me me look real quick. I'm just – now I'm interested because – Efforting. Efforting, Efforting, Efforting. Over-under is 66-and-a-half. I think think they're going to cream that over. Yeah. I think that – I would
1: hammer that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 66-and-a-half does seem rather low. All right, Brian. Let's go true hack. 12 after dark.
1: All right. A
0: 1030 kick between the Utes of Utah and the USC Trojans. The Trojans laying three and a half or three points straight up here. Having a looky-looky at this. This is in Utah. Not sure if they've got fans. This is Utah's first game. They had everything. Their first two were canceled. Um. USC is winning by the skin of their teeth. But I think this is going to be one of those, It's hard-nosed and tough as Utah plays, USC's had those couple weeks to figure out the kinks. I think they win this game by more than three points. So give me USC, lay the three.
1: Not so fast, my friend. Not so fast. Give me Utah. I I don't think that – I think Utah is going to maybe shock them a little bit with maybe some wrinkles that they're putting in at the gate. So I think Utah might jump up on them pretty quick and USC having to play a little comeback, and it's going to come up just short.
0: All right. So Brian takes the three with Utah. And, Brian, our last one here, one of my favorite rivalries – In the sport of college football. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma. Oklahoma's lane seven. It's Bedlam. It's always a good game, even though it felt like for years Oklahoma dominated it. But you always feel that rivalry there. What do you think on this one? Oklahoma lane seven.
1: It's a it's a tough one, man. This is a tough one. Um I like Oklahoma to win this one outright, but I don't know if I like that seven line. So give me Okie State. All right. I am with you on that. I
0: I think – I don't know who's going to win this game. When I feel like it's not going to win, you have to take the other side. You have to take the points because, you know, Oklahoma wins by anywhere from one to six, you're a winner either way. So – and the other piece, Oklahoma State has some semblance of a defense. Um, by all means, they'd be undefeated if their defense had remembered to play the fourth quarter against Texas, which I'm still kind of baffled at, but yes. that is what it is, man. All right, so there are our picks for the week. We'll see how this shapes up. Obviously, coming off a winning week, we're feeling better about our picks this week. Now, Lester <laughs> Sigla. Yes, sir. You have advised me that you are doing some test smoking this weekend.
1: Yeah, doing doing some uh some dry runs. Normally I do a uh, a full bird for Thanksgiving, but this this year I'm going uh two two breasts, mixing in some different different things. So I'm doing a couple dry runs of a couple new rubs I want to try that are more more seasonal couple injections um, and then based on that picking the two that I want to use on the big day so we'll have some turkey this weekend and then we'll have some more turkey <laughs> come Thursday so I' be I won't be turkey heavy for the next week or so man
0: so basic week or so. Hell, sounds like if you're doing it this weekend and then you're going to do it on Thanksgiving, you're going to be legitimately eating turkey sandwiches for 10 days.
1: Well, I'm throwing um, a good amount of what I'm doing this weekend to the neighbors and to my pops. So, oh, okay. Okay. yeah, I'll have a, I'll probably have a couple meals and maybe a good good Sammy out of it or two. But, um, you know, a good a good chunk of it's going elsewhere. And then the other two will be just for the, the the big day and for uh for leftover Sammys after that so
0: very nice very nice man all right check in everything here we've got a good collegiate football game Tulsa two Lane Tulsa scored last play of the game to tie it up hey 21-21 and the Cardinals and the Seahawks here also a good game so we'll be watching that as we
1: wrap this up, Brian,
0: anything else breaking on Pokey front or college football front?
1: I haven't seen anything big, man. I think we are good to go.
0: All right. So that is going to wrap up this episode of the boundary corner podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson.
1: I'm Brian Siegler.
0: Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple podcasts. Rate, review our podcast. Please tell us what you like, what you don't see. Feel free to hit us up either on our personal accounts on Twitter or the Boundary Corner with questions, subject matter you'd like to see us discuss. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go.
1: Okies.